Alright, look at what it says in Acts 3 and verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Alright, now I want to teach you a very, very important lesson tonight that, uh, and I, while I'm going to be teaching on an event, I guess you could say, I'm also going to, I also want to show you how important it is that we pay attention to context in the scripture. I want to kind of show you just a dirty trick that scholars often pull on people do, you know, teach false doctrine, okay? And the title of my message tonight is the, ti- the times of refreshing and restitution. All right, the times of refreshing and restitution. Now, this passage right here that we saw that that term, uh, he mentioned the times of refreshing that was going to come, and the, the times of the restitution of all things. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question: Is this a title that we're seeing here? All right. When you see times of restitution of all things, are those in capital letters or small letters? Okay. They are in small letters. Okay, now why is that significant? Alright? It's significant because this is not necessarily a title for an event. It's just talking about something very specific. Okay, that's important. Now why, why, why even say this? Alright? Because it's passages like this that the dispensationalists like to take and make into something that it's not. Okay? Like if I get up here and I say, you know, you tell me what the times of refreshing is and the times of restitution. If, if I just throw that out to you, like you don't know what you've never you don't know what the times of restitution is, you know, like it's an actual thing, like it's an actual title of an event, you know, like, I don't know, and then I can make you look bad because you don't you don't know, okay? It's, and really, when you stop to think about it, that's the same thing they do with the tribulation, okay? Now let me ask you, how many times do we see the end times that we're looking for? referred to as the tribulation. Anybody know how many times we see that word used? It's used twice in one chapter in Matthew 24. Okay? Now let me ask you, is tribulation, when you without looking at Matthew 24, is that word capitalized or is it small? It matters, folks. It's small. Okay? Did you know that God never gave the tit- that title tribulation? Scholars did that. But what does it say? After the abomination of desolation, it says, for then shall be great tribulation. Okay? Did it say what was before that was tribulation? Now, I'm sure there was some tribulation going on there. But folks, there's tribulation all the time. Okay? Tribulation is kind of a very general term. Alright? You know, Lana, she goes through trials and tribulations all the time. You know, you know, if you ask her, uh, you know, Kelly, she's our, you know, she loves sympathy because she's always going through tribulations. We use that word a lot in our house. Okay? God did not give that day or that time the title tribulation. Scholars did. And then later it says immediately after the tribulation of those days. Scholars have defined that as another three and a half years. Matthew 24 doesn't define it that way. So what's that, what's, what is that talking about? What is the tribulation in the sense of the after the tribulation of those days? Well, it's obviously 
great persecution that goes on after the abomination of desolation, you know, and before the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood. If you want to get real specific, if you actually want to look at that passage in context, all right? So keep that in mind because it would be real easy for me, and dispensationalists have done this, where they'll take Acts chapter 3 and they'll talk about the times of refreshing and the times of restitution, and then, and then they will tell you what that is. This is when God's going to keep all of His promises to Israel. This is when God is going to put them back in the land. This is when God is going to let them rule the earth. This is when it's going to be all about Israel again. We're in the times of the Gentiles right now, but after the times of the Gentiles, we're going to go to the times of the restitution of all things, and it's back to Israel again. And this is when all Israel shall be saved and blah, blah, blah. These are the types of things that they will say. And you know, and, and they'll throw you on this stuff. But let's look at what Acts three says. Let's look at this case because there is no other place in the Bible where it refers to this times time of restitution or time of refreshing. And, and at least it doesn't use it in that phrase. I believe there's other uh, passages that refer to this event, this time, but it doesn't call it that. So, since there's no other place in the Bible where it calls it that, we need to let Acts 3 define the times of restitution and the times of refreshing. Just like what we should do, since Matthew 24 is the only place that refers to these future events as tribulation, we should let Matthew 24 define tribulation. You go ask any pre-tribber, define tribulation, or where do you get seven-year tribulation? They won't go to Matthew chapter 24. You know where they're going to go? They're going to go to Daniel chapter 9. Even though it doesn't call it the tribulation there. You know, they just... Scholars have put that together. That is a horrible practice. We should not do that. So let's, let's read Acts chapter 3 and see if this is all about God keeping His promises to Israel and all Israel being saved and Israel getting everything. All right? And what they'll do, they'll read this passage in Acts chapter 3 and they'll tie it in with all these Old Testament Scriptures where God promised all these great things for the Jews and the millennial reign. That's what they're going to go to. But let's let Acts 3, since Acts 3 is the only place where it refers to the times of refreshing and the times of restitution, Acts 3 has to be where we go to define that. Let's see what happens when we let Acts 3 define this for us. So let's start reading in verse 11. It says, And as the lame man which was healed, uh, that which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch, it is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied Him in the presence of Pilate when He was determined to let Him go. Now let's stop here for a second. Remember, the dispensationalists say the times of restitution... This is when Israel's going to get all the blessings. Right? This is when they're going to get all these things that God promised them. That's what, that's what they, they will tell you. Okay? But what is the definition of restitution? Right? What does restitution mean? 
Well, there's a few different definitions, but in the Webster's 1828, the third definition it gives, and it uses Acts 3.21 as an example, it's the act of recovering a former state or posture. Alright, so in other words, I think eventually what it's talking about, there is going to be a time where things go uh, back to the way God wanted them. You know, where things are going to get better. Alright, in the millennial reign. You know, God made a lot of promises that He is going to fulfill when He returns on the millennial reign. But, another definition of restitution is um, the act of returning or restoring to a person something or right of which he has been unjustly deprived as the restitution of ancient rights to the crown. All right? Israel doesn't have all that they deserve, all that belongs to them. And they're going to get it at the time of restitution. All right? Okay? So I, that's a good definition right there, right? The act of restoring to person something or right. Another definition is the act of making good or giving an equivalent for any loss, damage, or injury. So. You know, it's it's a means we're going to make things right. Okay, we're going to make things right. We're going to you know, there's things that have been taken care of. Now, at, now, really, when you stop and think about it, all right, that can be good or bad depending on who's being, you know, made right. All right, if we, if there's a conflict between me and someone else, okay, and the one who is going to be making, you know, if if for example. If you go and you you know you run into my car, you have to make restitution. That means you know you got to fix what you did. That can be a bad thing, right? Now it's good for me, but it's going to be bad bad time for you when you got to write the check. Okay, so now let's let's look at these passages. What we've been reading before he gets to this times of restitution, and ask ourselves: Wait, who are things being made right to? Jesus or the Jews? Okay. Because what we see Peter doing here, Peter is charging them with things. He is telling them all these horrible things they did, and then he tells them of a time of restitution, and, after, and then all of a sudden the dispensation life, this is when they're going to get all the blessings. But wait a minute, he's just charged them with a whole bunch of things. I think the restitution is going to be them making things right with Christ. It means they're going to be they're in trouble. They're going to be judged. So it, right here, the charge number one that we see is in verse 13 when he's talking about how you delivered up Jesus and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined when he was determined to let him go. Pilate was going to let Jesus go, but he didn't because of you. Charge number 1. Charge number 2. He said, "But ye denied the holy one and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you." Charge number 3. And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Says Peter said, we're witnesses against you. Alright? You did this. And it says right here, and his name through and through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. Okay? Now note this is important that we get this here too. While what the Jews did was horrible, and this comes into play later in the message, it was done in ignorance. Okay, the people say all the time, you know, these people that preach a reprobate doctrine, they thought the apostle Paul was a reprobate. Well, not exactly, because the, one of the key characteristics of a reprobate, 
they knew the truth and rejected it. Okay, What did the Apostle Paul say when he was a blasphemer and injurious? He said, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And right here when Peter's charging the Jews, he says, you did this in ignorance. Okay, Now listen, when you do something in ignorance, you're still accountable. You're still wrong. Okay, But you can get forgiveness. All right, You can receive forgiveness. And you know what? God hath not cast them away. They're not reprobate. All Israel shall be saved. In other words, they can be saved. All right? All Israel can be saved. Why? Because out of Zion, God brought a deliverer that turned ungodliness, of Jacob, ungodliness away from Jacob. They can all be saved if they will believe on Christ. Okay? And so I'll say more about that in a little bit. But right here, we see they're not reprobate. You did this ignorantly. That's why he's preaching to them. He's trying to get them to get right. He wants them to get saved. And it says, but those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Alright? So right here, Peter has just charged them with all these terrible things. He's preaching to them. He's like, well, you did this, you did this, you did this. This was terrible. We're witnesses against you. But good news, folks, the times of restitution is coming up and you're going to get blessed. The times of restitution is going to come up. I know you did all these horrible things, but the time of restitution is coming and you're going to get the land. You're going to get all the blessings. You're going to inherit the earth. Is When he brings up times of restitution, should this be something that these people are excited about that are hearing this? No, this should scare them. Okay? Which is exactly what he was trying to do. But the dispensationalists read it and they act like, you know, this is just the greatest day in the world for Israel when that comes. Not unless they get saved. Alright? So that's just so foolish. But notice how he says in verse 18 these things that God showed by the mouth of the prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Alright? The death, burial, and resurrection was in the Old Testament. Alright? I don't care what the dispensationalists say, it was all over the Old Testament. These things that happened were what were written about in the Old Testament by the prophets. So Peter, he's charged them with these serious crimes, but he's about to reveal to them their salvation that was provided for them. Okay? Verse 19. Okay? This, he, he, notice what he didn't say right here. He's like, alright, I'm charging you with all these things, but guess what? I'm going to tell you about your salvation. It's coming in the end times. When Jesus Christ comes back, He's just going to save all of you. Now, what, what did He tell them here? He t- talking to these people in that present time, what did He say? He said, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Okay? So how are they going to get their sins blotted out? They need to repent and be converted. They need to repent of what? They need to repent of their unbelief. Is what they need to do. They needed to get saved. And he says, and when and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So right here, this is clearly referring to the coming of Christ when everything's going to be made right. Okay? Jesus Christ, He has been received up into the heavens 
until the times of restitution of all things. Okay? And what is he telling Israel right here? He's telling them right then, in that present time, in that day, he was telling them to repent so their sins would be blotted out. That because what Jesus Christ is going to return. He's warning them. He's telling them then that they needed to get saved because Jesus Christ is going to come back one of these days. And folks, it's very clear if they don't repent, if they don't get converted, their sins aren't going to be blotted out. And when the restitution of all things come, they're going to be in trouble. But what are the dispensationalists teaching? They're teaching when Jesus Christ comes back, it's just going to be to save all of them. That's what they say. But Peter's telling them right then in that present time, you need to repent, you need to be converted right now because of that time that's to come. The coming of Christ, it's not going to be a good thing for them unless they get saved right now in this so-called dispensation. Alright? So, you know, I want somebody, I want some dispensationalist to explain to me how the restitution of all things is going to be good seeing that Peter's just charged them with all these major crimes. He's told them, you did this, you did this, you did this. And guess what? Jesus Christ, He's in heaven now until the times of restitution. How in the world is that a good thing for Israel? It's a bad thing for them. It's a very bad thing unless their sin gets blotted out. Okay? And that happens when they repent, when they believe on Christ. So the only way these things can be made right, it's not if they go and keep praying at that wall and banging their head against the wall long enough like they're doing today. It's not by them keeping the law. It's by them believing on Christ. If they will do that, that will take care of the things. That will get their sins blotted out. We can stand here, we can charge them all day long like Peter did for what they did. But you know what? If they believe on Christ, guess what? It gets blotted out. Just like we could charge the Apostle Paul for all the things he did before he got saved. But the thing is, the Apostle, I believe it was the Apostle Paul who wrote, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Was it Paul that said that? I can't even think where that's at. I think it was Paul that said that. It sounds like something he would say. But anyway, so... Uh, right, he also notice how he mentioned in verse 21, he said, you know, the restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his pro holy prophets since the world began. This time that is to come where all things are going to be made right, okay? Oh, this time of restitution. Now, how can something be made right unless something has been done wrong, okay? Now, what is the wrong that's been done? Sin is the wrong that's been done. Ungodliness. Wickedness. That's what's been done. And notice, this is something that, you know, and he mentions all the holy prophets spoke since the world began. Now, this is where the dispensationalists could go and they could cherry pick any Old Testament prophet they want now. They go to anyone they want. And what they'll probably do, they'll probably go one, to, uh, you know, about the land being promised to Israel. Alright, that's probably what they'll do. What they are going to do is they're not going to go back and they're not going to look at all the charges that Peter put on them telling them how you need to repent and be converted now because the time of restitution is coming. Basically telling them you're going to be in trouble unless you get saved right now. But you know, what is, you know, and so I'm not going to, you know, pretend to say, that, you know, Peter was referring to any specific prophecy, but I do think we can get a rough idea. 
If we go back to one of the oldest prophecies that's recorded in Jude, in Jude 1.14, it says, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. What's he doing with these ten thousands of his saints? All right, why is he coming? Well, he's coming to execute judgment upon all. What's that? It's restitution. All right? To execute judge upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. It looks like when Jesus Christ returns with ten thousands of His saints, He's coming to punish sin. Why? Restitution. Alright? He's making things right. So, look at verse 22 of Acts chapter 3. It says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Okay? Now, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Alright, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now, this is, this is the kind of stuff right here that just, it makes me want to just write these people off as just, you know, mentally incapable of understanding the scriptures, just, you know, reprobate concerning the faith when I hear some of the things I do. Now, let me ask you this. This prophecy right here in Deuteronomy chapter 18 that we're about to see, or that is refer, and that's referred to in Acts chapter 3, did this happen or is it going to happen? Alright? Was this, I'm talking about right here in Peter's day. Had this already happened or is this something that we're still waiting for? It's already happened. Okay? Look what it says in Deuteronomy 18 verse 13. It says, Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shalt, or ye shall hearken. Alright? Notice that, because Jesus was born of Israel, wasn't he? He was from the tribe of Judah. He was born of Mary. He was one of their brethren, physically speaking. Okay? This is clearly talking, nobody would deny this is talking about Jesus. It says, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore, that I die not. You all remember that story when God came down on that mountain? That scared them. They didn't ever want to see that again. They, when Moses came down and his face shone, they told him to put a veil over your face. We can't handle this holiness. We can't handle this light. And they asked him, they said, don't let this happen again. They couldn't handle the holiness of God. So you know what? Because they couldn't handle the holiness of God the Father, God said, you know, okay, I'm going to send you my son. And that's exactly what they did. I'm going to raise up a prophet of your brethren like unto Moses. You need to listen to him. And God did exactly that. He sent Jesus Christ. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And that is exactly what Jesus did when he was on this earth. And notice what it says. Back to Acts chapter 3, verse 22. After he tells them, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he say unto you. 
And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet is all going to be saved when he comes back. Is that what it says? Is that what it says right there? It says they shall be destroyed from among the people. If you don't listen to that prophet that I raise up unto you, you're going to be destroyed. The dispensationalists are going to tell you they've rejected, they've rejected for 2,000 years after the rapture. You know, then they're going to realize they did the wrong thing. And then whenever Jesus Christ returns and they see him in the clouds, then they're going to believe on him. No. If they don't listen now, he's talking in that present time. Jesus came. The prophet was raised up. If they reject his words, if they will not listen to his words, they will go to hell. And when he returns at the times of restitution, it's not going to be a good thing for them. It's going to be a bad thing for them. But for some reason, they read Romans 11, and so all Israel shall be saved. And they think that's referring to something that's in the future. And they just, all of a sudden now, and so all Israel shall be saved. When Jesus Christ returns in the cloud, they're going to look at Him whom they pierced, and they will mourn for Him. That means they're getting saved. Even though that's not what we see in Zechariah. Even though we don't see that in Revelation chapter 1, we don't see, we don't see that. We see it being a bad thing. But, you know, all the tribes of the earth are going to mourn. Does that mean the whole world's getting saved when Jesus Christ returns in the clouds at Armageddon? No. That's not what it means at all. Okay? They're adding this to the Scriptures. It's just not there. If they will not listen to Jesus, and it's the same thing now, if they will not listen to Him, they will be destroyed. Now, let me ask you, when will they be destroyed? How about at the time he's been talking about at the times of restitution? Okay? If they don't listen now, they will be destroyed at the times of restitution. If they will repent right now, then they will be converted and their sins will be blotted out. Okay? But, folks, you, there's no way to read this and say this is a good thing for the nation of Israel over there today. You, there's no way to do that. Look at verse 24. It says, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after and as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. Okay? And he's clearly talking about the day that they're in. Okay? They, all the prophets foretold of these days. Alright? Now, you're going to have to do some mental gymnastics to make these days that he's talking about something that's in the future. I mean, you're going to have to do some major mental gymnastics. Alright? It can't be done... He's referring to the day they were living in now. The prophets talked about these days. These days. Alright? And folks, this time period that Peter is talking about is a time period that we are still in. If you want to call something a dispensation, alright, this dispensation he's talking about is the dispensation that we are still in today. And he says, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from His iniquities. Alright? Now, I was thinking about this today. Thank God for marching to Zion and the preaching that's been out there on Zionism. You know what I have not heard in years? I have not heard a fundamental Baptist, a fundamental King James Baptist in years. 
get up and say, you better leave Israel alone. The Bible says, I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curse you. I used to hear that all the time. I don't hear that anymore. You know why? Because the word has gotten out. And he saith not into seeds as of many. Alright? Galatians 3 has gotten out. Okay? Now, have Baptists gotten right because of Galatians 3 and the preaching on that? No. They've just ignored it. And they've run to Romans 11. But folks, we're taking Romans 11 away. Alright? Roman, they're, they're losing Romans 11. We've got to take Romans 11. That should be our go-to. Alright? Because it supports everything we teach. But unfortunately, we've let some brainwashing, literal brainwashing, you know, cause some people to shy away from it and give bad interpretations. There's a lot of people who are right on their position on, you know, Israel, but their interpretation of Romans 11 is bad. And so they end up hurting themselves, you know, in the argument on this. But we've got to take Romans 11. We should, be, we should own Romans 11, and we're, we're getting it. It's their last stand, alright? Their last stand is in Romans 11, and we're fighting the battle on it right now, and they're losing. They're, they're losing greatly. But notice, God fulfilled His covenant with Abraham and His seed when He sent Jesus Christ to take away their sins. But folks, notice how it says, "...and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you." The blessing was Jesus Christ. In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. The blessing was Jesus Christ. And all the kindreds of the earth are blessed by that. Why? What's the blessing? The blessing is He turns us from our sins, doesn't He? He cleanses us from our sins, right? Not just the Jews, but all the kindreds of the earth can receive that turning from their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the blessing. The blessing is not, I give money to the Temple Mount Institute and I get financial blessings as a result of that. I had a missionary, or not a missionary, a pastor who is uh, hopefully on his way to jail right now for being a pervert tell me one time, he's like, explain this to me, how come whenever we, our church, gives extra to missionaries to Israel, God seems to bless us more? And I just told him, I said, listen, I said, God blesses us all the time. I said, giving money to Israel is just kind of like that rabbit's foot. All right, if you carry around a rabbit's foot and you think it's lucky, all right, anytime something good happens to you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to look at that rabbit's foot. Wow, you know, I'm glad I had that rabbit's foot. If you get in a car wreck, if you don't die, you're going to be like, oh, that rabbit's foot. You know, I could have died, even though the car wreck's bad luck. You know, you could say that's bad luck. All right. Well, if you're if you use Israel. And blessing Israel is your good luck charm. You're just going to apply every good thing as being God's blessing. Well, I got diagnosed with cancer, but it's only stage one. If I hadn't been giving money to Israel, it would probably been stage four. You know, I mean, you see how that works? So I told him, I said, that's proof of nothing. I said, I don't care if you give money to Israel and you win the lottery tomorrow. That doesn't change what the Bible says. That's a stupid argument. But you know, as a stupid person, you know, that would come up with something like that. And that, unfortunately, but that, that's a thinking. But, you know, most people have got this figured out. I have not heard any fundamental Baptist bring up, you know, bring that up in a long time. Why? We took that away from them. We took it away and we ain't giving it back. All right. And they're not getting it back. 
So the blessing was Jesus, and more specifically, the fact that He would turn, turn us from our sins. The blessing is Jesus. Alright? What is it? And so what's interesting, this is exactly what Paul preached to the Galatians. Okay? Now, at this time when Peter's preaching this, it's not been revealed yet that God was going to go to the Gentiles. Right? This was something that was all over the Old Testament, but we know they missed it. We know they didn't see it coming, but they figure it out later in Acts chapter 10 and 11. Right? And then, but later, we see God had kept His promise to them by sending Jesus to pay for their sins. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8 and 9. It says, And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Alright? This wasn't revealed in Acts chapter 3, but you know what? Peter was basically preaching Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Why? Because he's referring to the Scripture that was prophesying. What we see explained in Galatians 3, 8 and 9. This blessing that he was talking about, notice how this blessing, when he's referring to the blessing that God told Abraham about, he wasn't saying... This is, you know, this blessing of Abraham, this is what God's going to do to Gentiles when they give money to you. No, he's saying the blessing was Jesus Christ and he blessed you in turning you away from your sins. Okay? So, I mean, now notice that this turning them from their sins, he's referring to this as though it's happened even though these people haven't gotten saved yet. Okay? Now, just because Jesus died and paid for their sins, does that mean they're saved? No, but it does mean all all of them shall be saved. Okay? If they will repent and be converted, if they will believe on him. Did Jesus not die for the sins of the whole world? So you know what that means? The whole world shall be saved if they'll believe on him. But does it mean, you know, if I say the whole world shall be saved? Okay? That means the whole world will be saved if they'll believe on Christ. But does that mean the whole world will? No. And you know what? All Israel shall be saved if they'll believe on Christ. doesn't mean all of them are going to be saved, but all of them can be saved. So keep that, you know, keep that in mind. So, uh, you know, what were these days that Peter said the prophets wrote about? Alright? Because he said, you, you could refer many different things, but I believe he was referring to, or when he said, all the prophets spake of these days. Okay? These days that they were in right then. Okay? That's what he referred to. Not something that's come. I believe we can see some examples of this in Isaiah chapter 49. I believe he's referring to the day of Israel's salvation. Alright? He was saying, all the prophets wrote about these days. What are these days? Alright? If the dispensationalists allowed to just make up titles for things, then I'm going to make up titles for stuff, okay? Alright, just to help us figure out what they are. He's referring to the days of Israel's salvation. What are the days of Israel's salvation? Alright? It's right now. Right now is the day of Israel's salvation. Right now. Look what it says in Isaiah 49. Verse 5 it says, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. 
I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. Okay? Redeemer and Deliverer are basically the same thing. In the Old Testament, we see the verse called a Redeemer. In the New Testament, when it translates it, it calls it a Deliverer. Okay? Redeemer and Deliverer are the same thing. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship before the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel shall choose thee. Okay? Now, if you're reading a Schofield Bible right now, okay, you would see notes in between these two verses that say, Israel to be preserved and restored. Okay? Now, wait, now who's it been talking about right now? It's been talking about Israel, but notice it mentions a light to the Gentiles in there too. Notice that it mentions that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Okay? But Schofield now wants you to think, just focus on Israel right now. So every ructard in the world, when they're reading their Bibles, they're going to see a division in there. Okay? Because they all have Schofield Bibles. They're going to see a division in there and they're going to think, now we're talking just about Israel. That's what they're going to think. But look what it says in verse 8. This is a pretty familiar verse actually. It says, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I, was, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. Schofield and all the dispensationalists want you to think this is God promising to preserve Israel. And you know what? It is God promising to preserve Israel. But then you know what they're going to want to do? They're going to want to tell you it's amazing the way God's preserved Israel over the years. Everywhere they've been, people try to run them off. They try to kill them. You know, there was the Holocaust and there was this, you know, event and that event where they tried to kill all the Jews. But notice how God has preserved them for all these, all these years. Are you sure you want to use that verse? Okay. Are, are you sure, dispensation, so you want to use that verse? That's just talking about physical Jews, physical Israel. Are you sure? Because look at what member we've just been look what's been talking about. It's been talking about him being a light to the Gentiles too, the Redeemer of Israel. He said, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation. So yes, this is referring to something in the future where God was going to preserve Israel, where God was going to save Israel. When is that time? Alright? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked because Second Corinthians six tells us. Second Corinthians. Corinthians, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, writing to the Corinthians. You know, getting greedy with the Scriptures here, taking promises to the Jews. Look what he says. We then as workers together with them beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul just quoted Isaiah chapter 49 and he tells the Corinthians, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. This isn't a future event that's out there for Israel. You know when it is? It's right now. Now is the day of salvation for Israel. Right now. Right now is the day 
of their salvation. But he's talking about it to the Corinthians too. You know why? Because it's the day of our salvation too. Turns out that salvation that was promised to Israel wasn't just going to go to those who were physically of Israel. It's actually for the whole world. Why? Why did we get on it too? I'll tell you why we got in on it too. Because you know what? Israel sinned just like we sinned. There's no difference. Yet, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If God, being a just God that He is, if He's going to save Israel, He's got to offer that same salvation to the rest of the world too because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God for there's no difference from Jew or Greek. That's, that's why. So right here we see now is the day of salvation. Now is their chance to get saved. Now is what they, now is when they need to repent and be converted. Now. This isn't to come. If they don't, in the times of restitution, when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, they are in trouble. But folks, right now is when all Israel shall be saved. Right now. Okay, let's go to Romans chapter 11 and verse 23. Okay, because people just want to say all Israel shall be saved. And they use that word shall because that's a future word, right? Okay? But they want you to think of that as future in time, all right. Okay, but I, I can say right now, you know, if, if we have, you know, let's say Brother Lonnie's not saved, I can say Brother Lonnie, you know, he's not saved. We want him to get saved. Well, Brother Lonnie shall be saved. He will if you know if he will call on the Lord for salvation. You know, he he shall be saved. All right, he will be. You know, there there's kind of an if there. So notice here, you say, well, where's the if and all shall be saved? Well, it's not in that one verse, but let's look at some context. Let's look at some verses before. It says in Romans 11.23, look what it says, and they also, he's been talking about Israel this whole time. Physically Israel. He, Paul said, hath God cast away His people. Okay, God forbid, they're not cast away. They're not reprobate. They can be saved. And it says in verse 23, and they also, if, they abide not still in unbelief shall be grafted in. Israel shall be grafted in. That's what it says. Israel shall be grafted in. It's going to happen. No, it will if they abide not still in unbelief. If they abide not still in unbelief, for God is able to graft them in again. Okay, for if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted in contrary to nature, into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which shall the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Alright? Hey, if God's able to do it to them, He can do it to you too. This is against your nature as Gentiles. You weren't raised in the law. You weren't raised being taught the things of God. You were raised worshiping idols and doing all these other terrible things. You know, they were raised following the Ten Commandments. They were raised in the law. They're used to these things. Listen, if God can graft you in, He can graft them in too. That's what He's saying right there. You shall be grafted. If you won't abide in unbelief, if you'll be saved, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, but lest you should be uh, wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. Okay? That's not referring to a future event. He's just telling them, listen, blindness in part has happened to Israel. They're not completely blind. Okay? It's just blindness in part. They're not all blind because the Apostle Paul got saved. What he's been dealing with here is the possibility of Israel being saved. That's what he's been talking about the whole time. 
Paul used himself as an example. I am an Israelite. Okay? And I got saved. And you know what? Yes, blindness in part has happened to Israel. To the fullest of the Gentiles become in. And so, not and so then, all those choices. No, and so, meaning this is how they're going to be saved. Okay? And look what he said. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. He's quoting an Old Testament Scripture, folks. God promised Israel something. He promised them something. And look what it says. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer and shall turn ungodliness from Jacob. Hey, isn't that what Peter said in Acts chapter 3 and verse 26? Unto you first, God having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from His iniquities. It looks like the Deliverer already came. It looks like it was Jesus. It looks like He turned them away from their sins when He died on the cross and paid for their sins. Yeah, but it says they're all going to be saved. Yes, if they will not abide still in unbelief. Just like he told Peter told them, the people that he's preaching to, okay, he's preaching to them and he's telling them to repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. But then notice how he said, God, you know, in, uh, in verse 26, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So were they already saved? Were they already saved then? Well, they would be. They shall be if they will repent and be converted. If they will not abide still. And unbelief. So there shall come out of Zion the deliverer shall turn on godliness away from Jacob. Or turn away godliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So right there, he's just, he's referring to Old Testament. This is what was prophesied. This is what all the prophets, all the prophets told of these days. And we are still in those days, folks. And all Israel shall be saved if they will abide not still in unbelief. All Israel shall be grafted in if they will abide not still in unbelief. All Israel shall have their sins turned away if they will repent and be converted. Their sins will be washed away. It will be forgiven. Jesus Christ coming to this earth and that New Testament of His blood, it was God fulfilling His promise to them that just happened to include all the rest of the world too. And so, all the world shall be saved if they will abide not still in unbelief. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Why? Because all the world shall be saved if they will call on the Lord for salvation. So when Paul made this statement here, he was not explaining a when, he was explaining a how. Okay, It's brainwashing that has gone on. It's years and years of heretics and just ignorant people getting up and just and so all Israel shall be saved and just and just completely destroying the actual context of what it's saying and making it mean something that it doesn't mean. It's been going on for years and this is in people's head. And folks, we've got to take this away from just like we've taken away. I'll bless them, bless you. We're taking and we are we're taking this away. I I claim. Romans 11. You know what? It's like, it's like it's a battle. And you know what? 
I am standing right now with a flag. You know, in the land. I have planted the flag in the Romans 11 territory, and I claim to now own Romans chapter 11. And you know what? Come and take it, dispensationalists. Come and take it. It's not yours anymore. Romans 11 is mine. I have planted my flag there. Now is the day of Israel's salvation. All Israel shall be saved if they will abide not still in unbelief. You don't just get to cherry pick. You don't get to take things out of context. you got to look at the whole passage. And folks, when the, re- the times of restitution comes, if they don't get saved now, you know what? They're going to be judged and they are going to be destroyed. Every one of them did not receive Him. When Jesus Christ returns in the clouds, they are going to mourn for Him. But it's not the godly sorrow that worketh repentance not to be repented of. No, they're going to mourn just like all the people are going to be mourning as they're about to be cast into hell. That's why they're going to be mourning. They're going to be mourning because when Jesus Christ returns to save His people, they're going to realize at that time that you know what? We, we missed it. And they're not going to get saved. They're not going to get saved during that time. And when Jesus Christ returns, He's going to tell them to bring those people before Him that would not have Him to reign over them and He's going to have them be killed before Him. That is what's going to happen to these people over there that the Zionists are worshiping, that the Zionists are praising on a messed up interpretation of Romans chapter 11 prophesying something that's to come that has already come. We are in the days of Israel's salvation right now. We are in the days right now that the prophets foretold. Right now. Peter said they were there in those days. This isn't to come. Now is the accepted time that Isaiah 49 talks about. Now is the day of salvation. We see in Isaiah chapter 49. And the salvation that we preach is the salvation that God promised to Israel. The Romans road is teaching a salvation that God promised to Israel. And just, just like we can be saved, Israel will be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that includes Israel too. And so we have, right now, we have all the promises of God. And I don't have a whole lot of time to go into this. But what people often do, They'll want to pull some uh, scripture, you know, out of context. Well, you know, when's Israel going to get this? You know, but here, here's the thing you've got to understand. Here's another thing you need. To, I, I, I probably need to preach a whole other message, and this probably won't. But when it comes to the times of restitution, here's something you've got to understand. Right now, we have all the promises of God spiritually, all of them. We have the better country. We have, I mean, we, we have, we have salvation right now. Are we not saved right now? Pastor Major, when he was here, he preached a message called salvation is not a process. Somebody today left a comment on there. I think it was 1 Corinthians 1.18 where it says, in other versions, it says, and to us who are being saved. So it says in other versions. And he said, it looks like to me salvation is not, a pro-, you know, he said, he said there, it looks to me like salvation is a process. And I just responded, I said, that's why you have to use the King James. That's why you got to use a real Bible. And I showed him in the real Bible, it says, but to us who are saved. Okay? But let me ask you, 
Do we have the physical part of salvation right now? No, we still have a vile body, don't we? But we have the promise of it, and I've showed you this before, the promise, having the promise of something is just as good as having that thing. That's why God told Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations, even though Abraham didn't have any children. But because he had received the promise of it, he as good as had it. He did have it in God's eyes. God calls those things that be not as though they are. So guess what? I've got salvation. I've got the land. I've got heaven. I've got all every one of those promises. I have them right now. You know why? Because I have salvation. Now when Jesus Christ returns, He's in heaven now. When He returns at the restitution of all things, I will physically receive all those things. I won't just have I won't just have the promise anymore. I will actually have all of those things, and Israel will have all those things. All those who are truly of Israel, people like Abraham, okay, not the physical people today, the people of the Old Testament, because they will have resurrected at that point. Then they will have those things. So we have all the promises of God right now spiritually, and at the times of refreshing and restitution, we will we will have them all spiritually and physically. And what the prophets prophesied to Israel, it has come already spiritually. Okay? The promises to Israel have already come spiritually. But those who reject Jesus Christ, those who reject that new covenant, they will not get these things when Christ returns. Alright? It's only the people who get it, who get saved in the day of salvation. And they will be the ones who were destroyed. Look back at Acts 3.23. And it's so come to pass. And he's talking, he's talking to Israel right here. This is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 18 that God gave to Israel. Look what it says. Alright, this right here destroys what they teach about all Israel shall be saved. It says, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. When? When will that happen? When will all those who will not listen to the prophet be destroyed? I'll tell you when, at the times of restitution. When they say, all Israel shall be saved. Well, if all Israel gets saved at the times of restitution, who gets destroyed? Nobody. If all Israel gets saved. But folks, that's not what that passage means. Somebody's going to get destroyed during that time. Guess who it's going to be? It's going to be all those who abide Still in unbelief. So, Romans 11. Conquered mine, and I ain't giving it back. I ain't giving it back. We're planting our flag there. Just like we've taken Genesis 12 away from them, we're taking Romans 11. I claim it in the name of Liberty Baptist Church. So, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for all Your blessings. And Lord, I pray You'll uh, just help us to uh, take these things to heart, Lord. Help us to use them, Lord. I, I pray that uh, Romans 11, Lord, I do. I believe that's the last stand in the fight against Zionism, dear Lord. And dear God, I do. I claim Romans chapter 11 uh, in Your name, dear Lord. And I just pray that people will repent of this foolish teaching, Lord, that, and that they will uh, get things right. They'll get their theology right. They'll stop saying. Uh, that You have not come, Lord, and they'll realize now is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray these people who supposedly love Israel so much, 
uh, will realize the damage that they're doing uh, and that they'll realize they're leading people to hell. They're partaking in the evil deeds of those who uh, deny You, dear God. And I pray You'll help them to, to get right. And Lord, if they do not get right, I pray that You will expose them and You will reveal them. Lord, it's the Baptist uh, church is struggling right now. Things are not looking good in the IFB world. And dear God, I pray that You will do a purging. I pray that the Trendies will keep dropping the name Baptist. And I pray that these old IFBers that are just uh, just full of false doctrine, Lord, I pray that they'll just die out quickly. I pray that they will, maybe they'll drop the name Baptist and that You will let those of us who actually uh, hold the truth and preach the truth of Your Word, that You'll allow us to carry on that uh, that name. And Your name we pray. Amen. Let's go.